Praise the Lord. What a great honor it is to be here with you this morning in Omaha, Nebraska. This is my first time to ever be in the state of Nebraska, but I'm so honored to be here. And uh, I want to thank and uh, just let your pastoral family know how honored I am to be here. I honor them. And uh, this is our uh, this is our first time to meet, but I look forward to staying connected and uh, I look forward to what God has in the future. But, you know, I feel something in the Holy Ghost here today. God is wanting to reach into this crowd and pull for someone here today. It's decision day for somebody here. I've got to tell somebody today, it is, it, this is your day to make your decision. There are some days, you know, there are some days where the Lord says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. And I believe it is one of them days. As I pray and walk the aisles of this church, uh, that there's no doubt there's such a beautiful presence of the Lord here. There's no doubt people have already been touched. People have already been changed. That's the beauty about an apostolic church is God moves in so many different ways in one service. He can be dealing with a heart over here and healing a, healing a body over here. He can be putting a marriage together over here and he, he, he can be stirring someone who's been away from God in the back. I, I, I love the apostolic church. I love the apostolic way. I'm so thankful to be born again of the water and the Spirit here today. If you're here today and you're, you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're here and you don't know what way you were baptized. We can get that right here today. If you're here you never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can receive that here today. But I will, I'll go to the Word of the Lord, Luke chapter number 22, and uh, I will read one verse, verse number 31, and uh, I, good to see my friend Brother Luke today, what a great man of God he is, uh, he no doubt has such a burden for souls, and uh, we've connected in another state. Earlier in the earlier this year, and I've been so blessed to be connected with him, and even so much so, I forgot my uh, navy dress socks today. And uh, I don't know. I'm hoping I stepped into a new anointing, putting on his navy dress socks today. But uh, we'll see how this goes. It'll either go better or worse. But we will see. But I'm so honored to be here with you, and. Um, I feel like God wants to do something special. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 22, starting with verse number 31, and the Lord said, somebody say the Lord said. You know, that's a very powerful statement. And the Lord said. And what the Lord is, what the Lord said to Simon Peter here, I believe that he is saying to this church today, the Bible says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That word desired there is the same word that 
Paul would use in 1 Corinthians when he would say to desire spiritual gifts. Speaking of a pursuit. It is, it is speaking of a reaching after. A, it, is, it is speaking of a longing for. And he said, Simon, Satan is pursuing, is desiring, is reaching and longing to sift you as wheat. I want to talk to you from this subject today. And uh, this is just what I feel today to do. I'm going to talk to you from this subject. There is a soul in the balance. There is a soul in the balance. I know not who you are. I know very few people in this room. But God is set to deal with someone in this house today. If you will allow Him to reach you, if you will allow Him to stir you, God wants to stir the unstirrable. God wants to reach the unreachable. God desires to to shake the unshakable. I know not who you are. I know not where you are. But I'm telling you for the last week, really the last week and a half, I have felt that there is a soul in the balance here today. And I want somebody to lift up your hands and let your voice out to the Lord. I want you to pray that God would move. I need an intercessor to begin to lift their voice and pray right now. Come on, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, for 30 seconds, why don't we lift our hands, lift our voice. Come on, why don't you put your hand on your neighbor and pray, God, move us. God stir us. He ando ye shando ye kale le le debo yo sanda ye. Oh, won't you step across the aisle and grab hands with somebody right now and say, God, oh Lord, you've got to stir us. You've got to shake us. You've got to get us where we need to be today. Oh, God. I love you, Lord. Let's clap our hands and love Him. You can be seated today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift our hands and love Him one more time. There's a soul in the balance today. The Lord showed me that scale tilting from one way to the right and to the left. Things being placed on each side. Which way will it land? It is your decision which way it will land today. It was in Luke 22 that Jesus told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He said it very plainly. Satan 
desires you. There's no doubt that we knew that or that we know that Simon Peter would be such a powerful part and even play such a powerful part in even what we do and celebrate and operate in here today, holding the keys to the kingdom in his hand. He would be the spokesman of Pentecost. He was more than just a water walker, but he would be the one that would call 3,000 people to the water for the first time. My God, I feel a mighty anointing sitting down in this place here today. I've got to preach. It was that man, the man that would, the man that would launch the church, the man that would launch in the church into the Jesus name message. It was that man that God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ would look at that day and say, "Simon, Simon, hear me, Simon. Satan desire." to have you you better never you better never forget it boy I know that you've got an anointing I know you've got zeal I know you say you'll fight for me and I know you say you'll die for me but you need to know Simon hell wants to get an advantage over you hell desires to get an advantage over you I've got to tell you I've seen more revival and more harvest both local and global in the last year than I've ever seen in my life. I've seen witches get into baptistries and be baptized in the name of Jesus. I've seen people who didn't even, I've seen people so caught up in life and so caught up in the throes of confusion get into the baptistry and be baptized in Jesus' name. I've seen, I've seen several, I've seen several hundreds be baptized in Jesus' name and revivals I've seen on global on the global scale thousands receive the Holy Ghost in a matter of moments but I've got to tell you here today in the midst of this thing that we call revival in the midst of this thing that we call in time harvest I've got to preach to you that there is another harvest that is going on right under our nose in the church and that is the harvest that Jesus was talking about in Luke 22 he said, Behold, Simon, Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Hell desires to have an advantage over you. While Jesus began to explain exactly what Satan desired to do to Simon Peter, he did so using terms of the harvest. He wants to sift you as wheat. The word wheat here is the same word that Jesus used while teaching about the separating of the wheat and the tares. In Matthew 13 and 30, he said, let both grow together until the harvest. Somebody say harvest. Oh, we like that. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in the in the bundles to burn them. But gather them wheat. Gather the wheat into my barn. That wheat there. Oh, that is that is the souls. That is the souls of men. But we see in Luke 22, he was speaking of another harvest. He was speaking of hell's harvest time. The sifting is 
the shaking and the dividing of the wheat in the harvesting process. Jesus was saying, Simon, hell is going to do everything in his power to get an advantage over you. Hell is going to do everything in his power to get you offended. Hell is going to do everything in his power to get you bitter. Hell is going to do everything in his power to try to make you walk away. Hell's going to do Hell's going to do everything in his power to try to get you out of the church of the living God. Jesus was saying, hear me. Hell wants to get an advantage of you over you. Let me tell you, I've seen hundreds be baptized in Jesus' name. But what i got to preach today is I've seen pillars walk away from God. I've seen people you never thought would walk away from God, walk away from God. I've seen young people who sat on the couch in my living room speaking to me and my wife who would look at me with tears going down their face about their burden for missions so much so that they would look at me and say I'm going to school and I'm going to learn the language of that nation I've seen them do it and I've seen them go to school and I've seen them fall into such a backslidden condition that they don't even realize if they don't even know if there's a God or not anymore how does that happen? How does someone who is so grounded in truth, how does someone who is how is someone who is so grounded in truth in such a pillar in the house of God find themselves in a place where hell has got an, av- an advantage over them? Oh, I got to preach about it here today. I've seen people walk away from God that I never thought would walk away. And I've got to tell you, every harvest field has a harvest season. What is the season where hell gets the advantage over someone? I've got to preach today that there's a soul in the balance. There's a soul in the balance. Come on, that suit and tie don't make you okay. I'm telling you, there's a soul in the balance in this room here today. I'm not come to be ugly. I'm not come to, I'm, and I'm not come to gain some following. I've come to be a man of God today and reach for somebody here today that's got to make a decision. Come on, there's somebody you've been in limbo. You played both sides of the fence for too long, and God wants to know today you've got to make a decision today day. What are you going to do? Are you going to choose the altar? Are you going to choose the world? What are you going to do? Are you going to choose holiness? Are you going to choose your way? I look in Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 and verse number 1 and we see oh, that we see all of God's permitted seasons we see that there that there's a time to live and there's a time to die there's a time to there's a time to heal oh and there, there's a there's a time to mourn there's so many there's so many different seasons that are God's permitted seasons but the one season that is not there is the season that I've got to preach about here today there is a soul in the balance and there is a season where the adversary gets the advantage in the life of a sold out young person there is a season where hell gets the advantage after in the life of a pillar that's been in the church for 15 years how does it happen it's found in Hebrews 11 the season that I got to preach about oh we see it in Hebrews 11 verse 24 
24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh God. I'm going to preach about the season of sin here today. Verse 24 that says that Moses refused that season. Come on. I've got to tell somebody. Somebody's got to make a decision today. It said in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You must make a choice. Moses had to choose, and you have to choose. We all have to choose. What are we going to do? Are we going to be sold out? He made up in his mind, I cannot be an Egyptian Hebrew any longer. He made up his mind, I can't play both sides of the fence any longer. I've got to make a decision and there came a day that he had to let go of some things he had to let go of a whole new a whole life and go after another life and he said I will no longer enjoy oh I will no longer enjoy what's happening in Egypt I gotta make up my mind I'm leaving sin behind I've come to preach about that season of sin that season of sin that is the season where hell gets the advantage in someone's life that season of sin I've seen it I've seen it tear up and spit out singers I've seen it tear up and spit out musicians I've seen it tear up and spit out preachers I've seen saints great men of God find themselves in the season of sin oh until hell gets the advantage in their world somebody's in the danger zone today Somebody say the danger zone. I don't know how it is in Nebraska. But in Texas, I remember going out. I remember remember going out deep into the woods. Before I had cell phones and all that, just a kid. (laughs) Going out deep in the woods. And I remember coming up against, or coming up to this big gate that said, High voltage, do not enter. There's nothing in me that wanted to get over that when I saw that I was going to get shot going to the other side. But I want to tell you, sin's the exact same way. You can find yourself, oh, you can find yourself so far off and by yourself and no one else there. Oh, but let me tell you, that gate, too many times it don't say do not enter, but too many times it says welcome in. I've got to preach to somebody right now that somebody's in the danger zone. There's somebody here today, you're in the danger zone. And God sent God sent a preacher from Texas to try to reach you here today. You've got to make up your mind. I've got to choose. I must choose. I must choose. I cannot stay in the season of sin. But I've got, oh, I've got to get out of this place. I've got to refuse the season of sin. My soul is in the 
balance. Can you see it here today? Can you see that scale going from one side to the other? Oh, I want to tell you one side says heaven and the other side says hell. One side says lost and the other side says saved. One side says the church and the other side says the world. What are you going to be? What are you going to choose? What are you going to do? One says holy and one says unholy. One says righteous. One says unrighteous. There's a sow in the balance. One says life and one says death. Oh God, there's a sow in the balance. Oh, somebody's got to pray right now. Lift up your hands. Come on, I feel something moving in this place. God is reaching for somebody. Sir, you must respond. Ma'am, you must respond. Oh, God. Come on, somebody take 20 seconds to pray right now. Somebody's got to pray a big prayer. Oh, God's reaching for somebody. Come on, ma'am, how long has it been? Come on, sir, how long has it been? How many services have you set through? God is reaching for you. God is reaching for you today. If you can, I didn't give you the scriptures, I'm sorry. Psalm 19 and 9. I'm going to preach through Psalm 19 a little bit here. Psalm 19 and 9. Last week, this, this scripture jumped off the page. Knowing I was coming here, this scripture jumped off the, the page to me. Psalm 19 and 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Cut Somebody say it's clean. That means it's pure. Why does the fear of the Lord show up? The fear of the Lord doesn't show up to harm you. Doesn't show up to hurt you. But it shows up to purify you. When the fear of the Lord steps up, when we, I'm telling you, there's a heaviness in this room. You know what that is? That's the fear of God. When God steps into a room, when God steps in the room and begins to pull at hearts, he's got one thing in mind, and that's to get you where you need to be to make it to glory. That's to get you where you need to be to get in alignment with him and be effective in his kingdom. But the scripture says, for the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Watch this. The judgments of the Lord. Somebody say the judgments. That's his decrees. That is the authoritative order of God. He says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is a great reward. We oh. And then we see in verse 12, and I've got to preach this. We see the progression of sin as David writes it. Who can understand his errors? Errors. Somebody say errors. I've got to preach about the progression of sin for a moment. It is these errors. Somebody say error. Not one of us in this room, including the one preaching today. Not one of us. Is so great that we do not err. Come on, everybody. 
makes a mistake. Oh, there's not one of us. Oh, it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that we're going to be saved. It's by obedience to His Word that we're going to be saved. It's going to be by the constant daily visitation of that altar that we're going to be saved. It is that error. You've got to watch this here today. It is that error that comes because of a lack of attention or some kind of oversight. It's like that that error. Error is that misspelled word that, that can be erased and can be marked through but must be rewritten. It's that thing that happens that is not quite right in the midst of everything else that's going right. We all have erred. We all will err, but this is why we have an altar. Each one of us uh, must come to the understanding uh, that there is always going to be something in my life to put on the altar. Uh, that's why I can't take a day off prayer. That's why I can't take a day off. Uh, that's why even if I'm on vacation, there are no days off. Uh, that's why I can't just clap through a worship service. Uh, that's why I can't just casually wave my hand. No, I've got to tune in uh, to what God is doing. Uh, I've got oh, I got to get my life uh, on an altar. I've got to be a vessel of worship I have to be vocal and I have to surrender and that's why that's why I can't set through an altar call how many altar calls have you set through Oh God, some of us, we don't make a practice to come down to the altar. We I'll just pray hey let me tell you something happens when you take a step out of that seat. Something happens when you take, well, well, preacher, I'm traditional, and where I went to church, uh, where I went to church, you know what, we didn't do that. Well, guess what? It's a different day now, uh, and you're not in a traditional church. Uh, you're in a book of Acts church, uh, and they came and laid things on the altar. And there was the laying on of hands, and there was repentance, and there was movement. Hey, let me tell you, sometimes you got to get out from what's comfortable, and you got to say, God, I don't care what I look like, I just want to be right. I don't care what I look like, I just want to be right with you. I don't care what I look like, God, I just got to be clean. When's the last time you felt clean, sir? That's what this message is about. When's the last time you felt clean? God is reaching for somebody in this room. I've got to preach. The writer goes on and speaks about the progression of sin. He said in verse 12, who can understand his errors? And then he went on to say, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Oh, you got this is how it this is how it happens. It's the classic example of praise the Lord. How are you doing today? Doing great. Everything's fine, but really it's not fine. There's something in your world uh, that no one knows. Uh, really, there's something underlying uh, that no one sees because it wasn't placed on the altar when it was an error. Any error that we refuse to deal with will soon become secret. Come on, this is the progression of sin. It goes from an error to a secret. Oh, and now you ain't praying like you should because there's no way you have prayer closet. You, you have a prayer closet and uh, that secret place and have secret sin at the same time. It don't happen. You have one or the other. You either have secret sin or you have secret prayer. You don't have both. And now that you're being robbed of your life source and that error has now become a secret, secret, it's secret sin. 
sin that plagues this generation. Secret sin plagues this generation. Pornography has never been more accessible than it is right now. Secret sin is plaguing this generation. I've got to preach to somebody right now. It's never been easier to fail God. It's never been easier to secret have secret sin. I'm preaching about the one thing that you've allowed to grow that no one else knows. It was an error, but now, oh, he, he went on to say, it's not just an error. Cleanse thou me from secret faults in my world. God's after a secret in the room. Oh, he said, he said, a secret fault. We've learned to come to church faithfully with it. We've learned to dress holy with it. We've learned to lift our hands with it. We fooled everybody else with it, but there's something underlying that God is, he's reaching for here today the psalmist continues on in verse 13 and shows us the next phase of sin it started with an error oh then then it went to a secret fault but then we see in verse 13 he said keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins that word presumptuous it means deliberate it means willful it is a willful willful sin now no preacher better preach about it now no preacher better come and talk about it. Nobody better come to my house. Nobody better point a finger at me. Let me tell you, this is the progression of sin. It goes from an error to a secret to so willful that no preacher better talk to you about it. It's what sin does. There's a soul in the balance here today. We see that that next statement, it shakes me. He said, let them not have dominion over me. Somebody say dominion. Oh my goodness, that's such a powerful word. God gave Adam dominion. God drew the lines. When God, uh, God Gave, God gave Adam the authority to draw the lines. He was to dress and to keep the garden. That dress means to help it grow, to build it up. But to keep was means sometimes you're going to have to pull out the sword and you're going to have to draw lines and you're going to have to kick things out. But here we are. We see, we see a man that, who had dominion. He had such dominion, he named every animal. <laughs> he named every single animal in the garden. He didn't call the giraffe a long neck. He called it a giraffe. And, that's, and we still call it a giraffe here today. But hear me. How did the snake get his name? Adam. He had dominion. But here's the deal. He had such dominion to name it. But he never exercised dominion to cast it out. It's not good enough to name your sin. It's not good enough to say, this is my problem. It's not good enough to name your devil. You've got to get that devil out. But what happened... What happened is because he did not exercise dominion over it. He allowed it to stay and it exercised dominion over him. 
Hey, I've got to tell you, that's the power of dominion. Dominion calls you by name. Dominion tells things what they are. And dominion says you're either staying or you're going. And this is how it, this is how sin, this is how sin is. It doesn't just stay as an error. It doesn't just stay as a secret. It doesn't just stay as a deliberate or willful sin. But it wants to get in the place where it has such dominion over you, it begins to tell you who you are. And the next thing you know, you're not even called to preach anymore. You are in a moment of weakness, and you're not even sure that was God because you got this other voice in your head. And the next thing you know, that pastor's crazy, and you don't have to listen to him anymore because that voice is telling you that he don't know what he's talking about. What am I saying? I'm saying sin will get dominion over you. Sin stays to take over. There's a soul in the balance here today. Sin stays to take over. I've seen entire families get so upset and mad and leave because something was preached that had been preached in that church for years. But what changed? I'll tell you what changed. Sin just got bigger. And sin started calling the shots in somebody's life. Let me tell you, Peter said, oh, that there, he said that there was a roaring lion. But let me tell you, let me talk about that roaring lion that Peter wrote about. Oh, it wasn't just always a roaring lion sometimes it's a lion cub that's being fed in the closet late at night that nobody else knows it's that little pet sin, that little pet lion cub, and he's so cute and he's so cuddly, and you got it under control. But here's the, here's the scary part. The moment you think you got sin under control, he's got you under control. The moment you think you got sin under control, he's got you under control. And I want to tell you, we see time and time again in Scripture when sin grows up. I got to preach to you today. It was David, oh, that made the statement, oh, let that sin not have dominion. Let it not have dominion over my life. Why? Because when it has dominion, it begins to call the shots in my life. Oh, and that's when people start saying, I was born that way. And that's when people go out and they start marching. That's when people make a mess of their life. Why? Because sin gets dominion over them. Let's lift our hands and pray. There's a soul in the balance here this morning. Come on, sir, I don't know where you are. Come on, ma'am, I don't know where you are in this place. But God is reaching for somebody in this place. There's somebody here today. You've got to make a turn towards God. Come on, hear this, preacher. You've got to make a turn towards God. Preacher, I don't pray like this. You've got to pray like this today. God He's trying to get a hold of your heart. God is reaching for your heart today. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Hear me today. It was in 1 Samuel 17 and 34 that David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. When was this? This is when he's about to fight Goliath, and they want to know how proven he is. And he says, "Thy servant kept thy father's thy kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth." 
And when he rose, arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. David said, there was a lamb in the lion's mouth. And I had to go and save it. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's a lamb in the lion's mouth today. There's somebody in this room, you're called in the lion's mouth. Uh, and God sent a preacher from Texas to reach uh, and try to pull you out here today. I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know your story. Uh, come on, why don't we lift our hands and pray. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you've been dealing with. I don't know what your hang-up is. I don't know what your mess-up is. I don't know what the error started with. I don't know where it ended up now. But what I do know is that God is reaching for his soul here today. Come on, why don't we lift our hands and pray right now. Come on, lift our hands and let's pray. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet right now. I'm telling you, sin's getting ready to grow up real big in somebody's life. If you don't get it under, oh, if you don't get it taken care of here today, that's what the blood's for. That's what mercy's for. That's why messages are preached like this. When conviction hits, mercy follows. God is reaching for somebody. Come on, there's got to be a young man. There's got to be a young lady. Come on, sir. There's got to be a husband. There's got to be a wife that'll say, God, we got to make a trip to the altar and we got to make sure that everything is where it needs to be oh God listen to me for a moment if you'll put this on the screen Psalm 38 18 this is such a powerful scripture Psalm 38 18 for I will declare mine iniquity. Somebody say iniquity. What's iniquity? That's something that's been there a while. It's what God's reaching for in this crowd today. He said, I will declare mine iniquity. Watch this. I will be sorry for my sin. Bishop Powell, why did he even have to say that? Doesn't it, doesn't it just seem like we all should be sorry for our sin? Let me tell you. The Lord began to deal with me this morning in the hotel room about a conscience being seared. Let me tell you, you can get in such a place in your sin that you're not even sorry anymore. The first time you visit it, you're sorry. The second time you visit it, you're a little more comfortable with it, but you're still sorry. The third time you visit it, you may not even be sorry anymore. David got vocal with God. Somebody say vocal. I can't think prayers in this work. I can't dwell on prayers in this work. I can't try to, they got this new thing they're talking about, positive vibes. I can't positive vibe my way into being right. I must get vocal with God. 
and say, God, David, here is the place. I'm talking about the greatest worshiper, the greatest warrior that we know in the Bible. Lifts his voice and say, God, i got to be the greatest sinner because I'm not even sorry anymore. But today, God, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be bold. God, this is my problem. God, this is my issue. This is what I keep going back to. This is the sin. And I'm ready to be sorry again. What was he saying? He was saying, God, I'm ready to be where I'm supposed to be again. I'm ready to get a good night's sleep and know if the rapture takes place that I'm going. When's the last time, sir, that you knew you were right with God? Come on, young persons, when's the last time you knew that if God came back, you weren't going to hell? Preacher, why are you preaching like this? Because there's a soul in the balance. Come on, I've seen miracles. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen uh, crooked feet straighten out. I've seen God do a lot of things. Oh, preacher, why aren't you preaching on miracles today? I'm preaching on the greatest miracle. One more scripture and I'm done. Psalm 41 and 4. Psalm 41 and 4. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Oh, God. Heal my soul. Not my body, God. God. Because I can still, I can have pain, I can still have pain in my body and make it. But if that soul ain't where it needs to be, if there's not, if it's not clean, he said, Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. David spoke of the greatest healing. He said, There's something off in my spirit. You know, I've seen it too many times. Man, I, I feel to deal with this right now. Hear me. I've seen people say, I just feel it in my spirit. We should go to another city. We should. I just feel it in my spirit. Pastor, we've been praying. I feel it in my spirit. That we should go do something else. We should try something else. We should try another church. When... All along, the problem that was going on with their spirit was that there was sin there and dominion started calling the shots in their world. Sin got dominion and started calling shots and saying, why don't you leave this church where you're planted? I'm preaching to somebody. Somebody's got to have a miracle here today. Somebody's got to have a healing in your soul. God wants to call us to repentance today. God is calling every man, every woman, every, oh, every young person to repentance today. I'm challenging somebody to be man enough to walk to an altar and lift up your hands and say, God, there's some things in my life that i got to make sure is where they need to be. I'm challenging a young person to get out of your seat and say, God, there's some 
some things in my world. I got to make sure that they're where they need to be. I'm challenging somebody right now that says, God, I've held back for too long, but my soul is in the balance. Come on, church. There's a soul in the balance today. I'm done preaching. We ought to pray. Come on, close your eyes. Let's search our soul today. God, I got to be where I need to be. I'm ready to be clean. I'm ready to be what I'm supposed to be. Come on right now across this room. Why don't we pray? Why don't we close our eyes? Why don't we empty ourselves right now? Come on right now, why don't we lift our voice? I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I surrender all to you. Come on, get vocal. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing. Holding nothing I give you all of me 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 Come on, pray Give you all of me Come on, God's doing something in this room. That's it, sir. I'm ready to get it right. That's it, ma'am. I'm ready to get it right. Come on, God's pulling at your heart. God's pulling at your heart. 